light of kind of the Thanksgiving season and the holidays, uh, we'll jump into the, the ideal of gratitude. And you'll notice that a lot of the things that we talk about today will start to piggyback off of the things we talked about last month. Um, and so you'll see kind of this, this transition from this ideal of giving to the ideal of gratitude or giving thanks. And we're going to dive into that more today. And like I said, hopefully you are blessed. Uh, it has been a lot colder, so I pray that you guys are staying healthy. Uh, drink lots of water, dress warm, uh, vitamin C, all the whole nine yards. Do what it takes to stay healthy. I know it's flu season. I know some people are getting sick. Uh, especially in the midst of the pandemic, that's probably not a very good feeling to get sick and can be a little scary. So I pray that you are warm and I pray that you are healthy. So like I said, um, oh, well, actually, one other thing. Uh, so starting this Sabbath and for the Sabbath uh, pres- uh, following this week, um, after my sermon, after we take up the offering and before we have the closing prayer, we're going to be having people share kind of their stories of the Good Steward Initiative and what they did with their $20 bill and what God did through them and how they experienced something maybe different or uh, some expectations that were met or maybe not met, whatever it may be, we're going to be hearing some testimonies and some stories. Today, we have one person that will be sharing kind of their experience of the Good Steward Initiative, and I will be asking you guys uh, whether or not you have a story to tell. Don't feel burdened or pressured to, um, to, to have something extravagant or have something really long, just something short and simple, more of a report, but also a reflection of how the experience was like for you is really all we're looking for. And as we continue to share these different things, I pray that as we enter into the holiday season and to the season of Thanksgiving, that we can learn to be more thankful. We can learn to give more and be inspired and encouraged by our church family. And I pray that your story and your experience can also be a way in which maybe some of us can experience God in a way that we never imagined before. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and jump in to our new series called The Lost Art of Gratitude. So gratitude, also known as thankfulness for for a lot of us, uh, is something that we hear all the time growing up, right? We hear all the time this ideal of, you know, always say thank you, right? Be polite, say please and thank you, right? Or P's and Q's as they say it, right? But as we continue to age, uh, and as we continue to just live our lives from day to day, uh, I feel like we tend to forget kind of the true essence and the nature of what it really means to be thankful or what it really means to express gratitude. So during the next three weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to discover and learn together uh, in the midst of Thanksgiving um, on this ideal of why gratitude has been so forgotten and so overlooked uh, and how we can really apply this ideal of of thankfulness uh, more into our everyday lives. Uh, I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you guys have received an award of some kind? I asked this question yesterday, uh, but how many of you guys have received an award before? Okay, so I see hands. Uh, maybe in the chat, if you guys want to share a few awards that you received. I heard some very interesting ones yesterday. Some people said uh, uh, participation awards. That's an award. Okay. Um, okay, what else? Any, any other interesting awards that maybe some of you guys have received? Okay. The Storytelling Award. Ah. 
Susie will be sharing a story eventually with us this month about her experience with Good Steward Initiative. So we'll 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 fact check that uh, later this month. Okay, Isaiah, <laughs> Pastor Isaiah says first place drawing in third grade. Beautiful. Do you have the drawing? I'd love to see it. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Any other things? Student of the month. All right. Elementary school. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, artist or graduating from eight. Okay. Okay. Star student. Art person of the week. Writing award. Ah, yes. Lots and lots of awards. Yes. First in writing award. Okay. I love this. Good student award. Okay, great. Perfect. Now, I want you to think about the award that you received, okay? Whether it was a participation award or a first place award, whatever the award may have been. And I want you to think about the way that you responded to that award, okay? I think one of the most important parts of things like awards and award ceremonies uh, is the acceptance speech, right? So if you watch like the, the Emmys or like all those like awards, I actually don't watch any of those. But when you watch those kind of programs, whether it be a Korean one or the American one, and you're watching these things, uh, the acceptance speech is what people like look forward to, right? Like, yeah, winning the award is great, the celebration, but it's like, what do they have to say after receiving such an award, right? When you look at these different kind of speeches, and maybe you've given one yourself after receiving an award, you see that these people have a chance to give a lot of appreciation and a lot of thanks, a lot of gratitude, right? Whether it be someone that was really close to them, whether it be a director, someone in the staff, whether it be family, uh, a spouse, um, and, and you notice a lot of the times, and as cliche as it may be, a lot of these like actors, actresses, and people that receive these awards on national television, who do they ultimately give thanks to? They are like, oh, I thank God, right? I thank God. And sometimes like people, like I have some friends that are not part of the church, they get like all like cringe. And they're just like, oh, that's so cliche, like thanking God, right? You look at athletes, you look at, you look at um, uh, famous people, and they're like, oh, I give thanks to God. If it wasn't for God, and it becomes this overused, like kind of repetitive cliche uh, in, in uh, uh, acceptance speeches, right? But regardless, no matter what the venue may be, whether it be big or whether it be small, uh, thankfulness for who we know, where we have been, and what we have is very important. Okay, let me share you a story. When I was in Tennessee as a missionary in 2013, uh, I was there for a year, and as I told you many times, and I, I love using stories from here, uh, but I was a missionary there, and I taught at a small uh, high school, basically, where students from all over the world, and you know they had like a little farm and a nursing home, and so it was a hybrid of work and school. So half the day they would work, half the day they would go to school. But I was one of the teachers there because I decided to stay there for a year in the very foreign land of Tennessee uh, as a missionary. And as I stayed there for the year, uh, being a teacher, you know, obviously at schools, they have like the end of year awards. Uh, when I was there, one of the awards that they had was teacher of the year, right? And this is not me trying to, you know, uh, you know fluff my coat or whatever, whatever the expression is. Uh, but uh, I wasn't expecting anything because I was just a missionary, right? I'm not a teacher, I'm a missionary. And I was sitting there in the back and they called my name for uh, the funnest teacher award, right? Now, oh, what an honor, right? Like I'm the funnest teacher ever, but I wasn't expecting it. So I remember like standing up and as tears started to roll down my face and they presented me with this like 
I, I wish I had it with me. It's back home in Alaska. But they presented me with this this glass, like I kid you not, like fifteen pound like like award, and they gave it to me. And I'm standing there like crying and thinking like, oh God is so good. Like I don't know what to say. And they're like speech, 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 and I'm just like standing there with this award, and I have no idea what to say. And so all I say is just like, you guys, I love you all. Like I love God. I love you. And then like that was kind of the speech, and they all were like taking pictures of me and making fun of me afterwards. Um, but anyway. Uh, so that's an example of, of an expression of gratitude, right? So gratitude, if we think about it, is a very powerful force for people, okay? There was a research actually conducted by Harvard, um, and I want to share with you what, uh, what they came out with. Uh, but in this article, it's called Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier. And this is what they shared. They shared with gratitude... Uh, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside of themselves. As a result, gratitude also helps... Oh, sorry, I can't see that. Uh, people feel more positive... Uh, oh, wait a second. Oh, yes, okay. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. So in other words, uh, what we can take away from this is that when we walk in the way that God designed us to live, which is giving thanks, there's something we can experience that's greater. We can experience greater wholeness, right? And I think this research by Harvard really says a lot about what gratitude does for people. But I want to be uh, very clear before I continue in our message today. In the Christian walk, I strongly believe there are many different facets, many different components when it comes to the Christian walk and how to walk a healthy Christian walk. Um, and too much of one thing can can kind of destroy the big picture, right? So that's why I think it's so important. And I think the Adventist message is really beautiful because we teach or we, we're supposed to be teaching this ideal of balance, right? A very holistic lifestyle, okay? Body, mind, soul, spirit, like all of these things. We try creating this very overall healthy round picture. So too much theology, right, can suffocate you in your walk with Christ. But too little theology can leave you with nothing to place your foundation, right? So you get my point that we are, we as an Adventist church and we as Christians should emphasize this ideal of balance. Um, but we also talk a lot about like different aspects and components and we, we take certain things and we turn them into these absolutes, right? We turn these different things into you must do these things, okay? But the issue is this. Sometimes we turn things into these, these things that, that are meritorious. Or in other words, these things that, that, like, if you don't do this, then you can't go to heaven, right? You have to do this in order to be saved. And obviously, I hope you see that that can be problematic when we're taking things that shouldn't be that way and turning them into things that are uh, absolutes. And uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving, I think there's no exception to that as well. Sometimes we as a church, in very subtle and low-key ways, we teach it as if it is meritorious or absolutely important uh, to our salvation. That if we don't give thanks, 
we can't be saved, right? And you might be thinking like, whoa, like, do we really actually teach that? Let me give you an example, right? When someone doesn't give thanks to God, right? When something happens or, you know, they receive an award or whatever that may be, and they don't give thanks, sometimes we may think to ourselves or maybe say out loud, it's like, wow, you're so ungrateful. Like, how could you forget that God did this for you? Right? And we start thinking like, wow, this is a terrible person because they didn't remember to give thanks. Okay? Um, but I think we as a church in not only just like giving thanks and gratitude, but many other different aspects of the church, we tend to put this very odd emphasis on making these things the absolute of our lives. So I want to be very clear. As we talk about gratitude for the next three weeks and about today, uh, I don't think it's necessarily meritorious to our salvation, as in you must do this in order to be saved. But I do believe that things like thankfulness, gratitude, uh, even things like giving that we talked about all become very essential responses in our Christian walk. And so just like many other things, um, we have to remember that these are not the do or no salvation But we have to believe that these are actually very important responses and essential to the faith journey that we go on. And so, you know, next month, we'll also be talking about different things. And I don't want you guys to have this impression that that I'm telling you that if you don't do this, then you're not going to get salvation. Right. Absolutely not. But I believe that these things are very essential in our walk as a Christian. And I think, you know, to, to not consider or to not practice these things and in light of today, uh, Thanksgiving or gratitude, I think is very borderline. It's hard to say that you can even identify yourself as a Christian, but uh, I won't dive into that any longer. But hopefully we can really take importance or really take to heart the importance of gratitude and Thanksgiving. So now the question becomes this. To whom do we direct our thanks? To who do we say thank you? Right? Is it to the parents that raise us? Is it to our significant other for supporting us? Is it to our best friend for always being there when we needed it? Right? Or does it come to thanking God for anything and everything? Well, I think the short answer, and if we were to just wrap up kind of the sermon right now in this moment, which I'm not going to do, is yes, right? That God should become the center of our gratitude. And it's God that provides every good thing in our life. Now, I'm not trying to say, like, don't be thankful to people around you. Like, oh, sorry, like, I can't thank you because I need to go thank God. My pastor said so. Like, no, absolutely not. Because I think God leads and brings people from all parts of your life into your life so that you can uh, grow, that you can learn, that you can journey with God. So, of course, I'm not saying don't give thanks to people. I think we should. We should give thanks to those around us, right? But remember that our ultimate thanks needs to be God-centered and not necessarily other-centered. So, uh, for what reasons, and today what we're going to be doing, is we're going to be looking at um, what reasons we as Christians can, can have uh, to give God thanks. And on what grounds, what foundation can we have to express our thanks to God as a Christian? Uh, let's go ahead and turn to James chapter 1, 16 to 18. And I'm going to read from the New International Version, actually. And it says this. It says, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits." of all he created. 
Man, I absolutely love the book of James. And I absolutely love uh, this part here. But uh, uh, I think a lot of the times we tend to just focus on this verse here, verse 17. And we forget kind of everything else that happens. Um, and we take it out of context uh, quite often. Uh, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the context and clear it up before uh, we continue to push forward. So James chapter 1 is often used to kind of express this idea of... Um, what to do, right, when we face trials, right? We should be thankful because uh, trials produce patience and, and in turn, we can learn to grow in faith. But oftentimes people will take this and say like, oh, look, like God purposely put us through these trials. God purposely put us through tribulations to ruin us, right? So God's not loving. God doesn't love you because why would he make you go through difficult times, right? God is a mean person. He's a meanie. He's a bully, right? He's terrible. And this is what happens, right? We, we look at this and be like, wait, that doesn't make sense, right? Sometimes we paint this very unrealistic picture that anything bad that happens to us um, proves that God is not good, that God is, you know, God can't do that. Like when bad things happen, sometimes we say like, oh, well, yeah, anything bad, Satan, right? Anything good, God. And then we, we kind of have this distorted picture of when things happen and we don't understand. And it's like, well, did Satan really do this or did God really do that? But some of you guys might think and be like, wait, pastor, I thought God wanted the best for me, right? Don't you talk about it all the time and say like, God wants the very best for you. God wants like you to be happy. God wants you uh, to not go through difficulties. Like when you choose God, like Aren't things going to be good? But we have to understand and realize something. That what we perceive as good and bad really makes a big difference in understanding this passage. Okay, We, we might think winning the lottery, for example, is a wonderful thing. How many of you guys would be happy to win an extra million dollars? I mean, I think most, if not all of us, I think we would be very thankful for that. And we would think it's good. But maybe in God's bigger picture, in God's understanding, and the way God sees things, what is good in our eyes may not actually be good in God's eyes, right? Maybe winning that lottery can lead you to a path of destruction. Maybe winning that lottery, we may think that's good. Oh, I can pay my bills. I can pay my student debt. I can do this and I can do that. But maybe in God's eye, he knows that if that happens to you, that you're going to take that. You'll be greedy. You'll be selfish. You'll spend it on all the wrong things, right? In the same way, what is terrible or what is unfair or what may be bad in our eyes may actually be something that is beneficial to us in God's eyes. For example, when I raise my cat Mango, um, she's somewhere running around right now, uh, but sometimes she puts herself in very like odd situations. And especially these days, I'm not sure if she's just like frustrated or she wants something better to do, but sometimes she like goes into like these crevices like behind my desk or behind my bookshelf and she gets stuck. Or sometimes she's like eating something that she shouldn't. She's like biting these wires and like, you know, she's trying to sit on my computer and she's doing all these weird things. Sometimes she climbs up in my closet and she gets stuck and I, I don't understand how she can get stuck in the closet when she got herself up there. Uh, but sometimes in the process of having to pull her out, right, obviously I'm trying to protect her and trying to get her to a better place so that she's not uh, in a dangerous situation or that she's not stuck. But for her, sometimes she translates that as like, why are you touching me? Like, don't touch me. Like, don't grab my belly. And she starts hissing at me. And then sometimes, you know, she, she makes these weird, I'm not going to imitate it, but she makes these very like, like weird cat grunting noises at me when 
all in reality, all I'm trying to do is pull her out of a troubling situation, right? I'm simply doing what is best for her. And parents, I think you can very easily understand this concept as well. Sometimes you see your child try to stick a fork into an electrical outlet. And you're probably thinking to yourself, like, wait, I need to intervene and stop because that is not the best thing. The kid might be like, wait, well, I want to stick it in the outlet. Like, let me, let me, right? But you as a parent know that that's not what's best for the kid. The kid may think otherwise, but you know that if you stick that fork in the outlet, uh, things are not going to look very pleasing, okay? So you see, in the same way, we have to be very cautious. We have to be very careful when we try to classify things that are good and things that are bad. Because in our eyes, it may be one thing, but in God's bigger picture, we may not realize it until later that it could actually have been something good or or bad. So you see, when we look at James 1, this is what's really interesting. James is going through this kind of breakdown of this, this discourse, right? And he's talking about how we should approach different trials and tribulations that we face in our life. And James is making this very clear argument that there is a difference between having trials And temptations. Look at verse 13. It says that God cannot tempt us because the purpose of temptation is to do what? Is to lead us into evil, right? God can put us through a trial, just like when we think about the life of Job. uh, But the purpose of trials is so that we can ultimately grow. And for us, we may see that as a bad thing. But in the end, the bigger picture, God is leading us into growth. When you look at verse 16, James continues this ideal and he says that we shouldn't be deceived by this misconception of where trials, tribulations, and where temptations come from, right? And James emphasizes this for one very particular reason. He says this because he doesn't want people to fall into the error of doubting the goodness of God, which can really make or break somebody's relationship with him. And this is where I come to uh, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, so, uh, who does not change like shifting in shadows. Uh, when you look at the NIV, uh, the New International Version, and a lot of actually other translations as well, every t- they often take this ideal of gift, right? Every good and perfect gift, and they kind of make it seem like the same ideal. We just look at it as like, okay, anything that's good, anything that's perfect, yeah, that's it. Right? But if you look at the original Greek, it's actually two slightly different phrases, and it can be better translated as every good giving and every perfect gift. Now, it changes things a little bit, and I think James was very intentional when he did this. Um, giving, the first one, every good giving is in the Greek dosis, right? And that focuses more on the action, obviously, of giving, while gift, the second gift, which is dorema, right? That one focuses more on the gift being given. So in other words, this is what we can really take away uh, from what James is saying. We can express our gratitude to God for the very fact that he is the source of every good act of giving as well as every good thing given. Now, James continues to to say all of these things when it comes to the Father being the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. And some of you guys might be like, what does that mean? I know last night some of the kids had questions about what is this thing? And I think it was Lindsay that um, pointed it uh, or spotted it uh, 
uh, exactly. But basically, what, what James is saying here is, is God is a constant. God is so constant. God doesn't change. God is who he is. A shadow it was something that changed, right? As the sun came up and the sun came down. But, but James is saying he is, he's not like a shadow, right? He is, he is something that we can, we can believe is going to be unwavering. That we can trust and express our gratitude always to a God that will always think of you first. That will always want to give you the very best even if we feel like it may be seen as bad right and it's i think it's reassuring but it gets even better and this is actually my favorite part of this discourse but verse 18 he continues to say and he says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that why that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created hear me out on this you guys this is what james is trying to say here don't ever Let yourselves be deceived. Remember that God loves you. But God loves you passionately. God loves you so joyfully, incredibly. He is head over, or uh, what is it? He's, He's absolutely enamored by you. And every thought that God has towards you is good. Whatever's happening in your life, there's something very good and God is working in you. And this, the, the proof of this incredible love is here in verse 18. And it says that he chose you for himself to give you eternal life with him. And he chose you to be a part of his family forever. And, and, and the whole thing is, is this, is that you one day are going to be the center of God's entire creation. The end of verse 18 says this. It says that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he created. And we talked about this last time in our series about giving. This ideal of first fruit is this, this most eagerly awaited. This is the specially chosen. This is the, the first of the first, the best of the best. And God is saying that you, you are the pinnacle. You are the center. You are the best of the best of God's creation. And that's what God has in store for you. And it's this incredible, nothing but, but good kind of love for you. You see, church, I think what James is trying to show us here, I think we have to come to understand and realize that the nature of who God is and the intention and the purpose of, of what God does for us is, is that he wants us to have good, right? Now, remember, I'm not saying that, that we need to be happy, we need to make lots of money. Like, I'm not saying that's the, that's the ideal of good. But everything that happens to us, God means it for good. Everything that God gives and everything that God has given, this is the reason in which we should find gratitude and thankfulness to God. I really think sometimes we as a church tend to take this ideal of gratitude for granted, right? We sometimes become so oblivious to, to why we should be thankful and why we should give God thanks. Some of us feel like we don't have anything to be thankful for. But as we continue to push through, and as we've kind of laid a foundation today, I pray that you will discover and find all the beautiful reasons of why we can practice more gratitude. And today, that the source of every good act of giving, every good thing that is given, is from God. And if that's the case, that is more than enough foundation and reason for us to give God thanks. 
I think, like, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, you know, obviously there's a lot of negative things, uh, a lot of things that uh, have brought us discomfort and kind of um, uh, stress and maybe some issues that we face. Um, but I really think that, that since life has been kind of flipped upside down for us, it's really just a wonderful opportunity to reflect and to think of all the reasons why we should be thankful to God. And I really pray that, that you... Uh, in your your walk with Christ and wherever you may stand, that you can really see the beauty of how good God really is, how God really wants to give you the best. And, and we may not fully comprehend and understand the things that we go through, but we can rest assured that in the end, God sees you as the first fruits of all his creation. And he is absolutely madly in love with you. So church, I pray that when it comes to our gratitude, whether or not you practice it a lot now or whether or not you struggle with it um, or whether or not you're in the works, I pray that we can build this foundation of gratitude upon the life of what Jesus did for you and I. That all our appreciation, that all our thanks will ultimately point back to him and that it can become so like second nature to us without hesitation that we can simply say to God, God, I thank you for every little thing that you have done in my life.